0: What's happening, y'all? Welcome back to Retired to Hunt. Look, I'm sitting here in the gazebo. If you hear some lightning going off, some some thunder going off, maybe some raindrops, listen, we're we're out in nature, all right? (laughs) So uh, cut me some slack. We're out in the gazebo, hanging out. I got old Jermaine Hodge sitting right here, and uh, this dude is a dog of an elk collar, man. I'm just going to tell you, man. Uh, So let me tell you, Jermaine, I'll be honest with you. What caught my eye was I saw you on IG. I saw Jermaine Hodge, Colorado. I said, look at this light-skinned brother, man. He talking about elk What's going on? Let's, let's see what's happening. So I looked at some of the videos. I was like, this dude can flat-ass call. So I hit him up, man. I hit him up. I said, hey, told him who I was, told him about the show. I said, come on here, and uh, let's talk a little elk. And he actually replied by saying he was going to be right down the road, 20 minutes down the road. So we got Jermaine Hodge in the building, man. Jermaine, how you doing, man?
1: Man. Oh, I'm doing good. It's been a long day, but I <laughs> am glad to be here. And, we, hey, man, I, I've been talking elk all day. Why not, why not a little bit more tonight? Hey,
0: you know, first of all, speaking of talking elk, you know, it's a pleasure to meet you up at the Western Hunt Fest, man. What would you think about that? I thought they put on a fine show, man.
1: They put on a great show, you know. It's the first annual show, and I think it from this point on, it's just going to end up getting better and better and better. I mean, we had about maybe 100, 110 people there, and it was great. It was great.
0: Yep. Let me ask you this, Jermaine. So, where'd you grow up, first of all?
1: I am originally from North Carolina. Okay. Uh, Orange County, if you're familiar with North Carolina, Orange County, Chapel Hill area, right in between Hillsboro and Chapel Hill area.
0: Okay. Hillsboro and Chapel Hill. So, you grew up hunting whitetail, huh?
1: Whitetail. Actually, I didn't grow up hunting. Okay. I didn't start hunting until I was about ninth grade. I uh, had a, some, some wrestling buddies of mine that, that put me on started shooting bows, and, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the tree stand pulling at, pulling at some white tails, and I'm like, holy smokes, I love this stuff.
0: So before uh, before there was hunting, it was just all wrestling, huh? That was where your time was spent?
1: A lot of my time was spent on the mat wrestling competitively. Uh, started collegiately, and then uh, we did some club wrestling, freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling, and then it just continued from that point on. I mean, here we are, like, I would say... Just a rough estimate twenty eight years in the game so it's it's been it's been a long journey and and it's almost to an end for myself,
0: so what got you uh to hunting in the ninth grade?
1: well it was, my North Carolina buddies then you know they 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 seen the country and me, and they were like, yo, this dude would be cool to hang out with let's just go out there and let's teach him how to do this and sure enough, uh, I had a good buddy his name was chad uh Chad Merritt and they own uh, uh Chad Merritt Marinas, mm-hmm. and it's a boat marina that they repair boats and they sell new boats and stuff like that, new engine stuff or whatever. And uh, I found myself one evening in the marina shooting at targets with their bows, didn't know anything about it, they would teach me this, and then the next thing you know, shoot, I'm buying my own boat, and I'm like, yo, what. Where, where, where should I tr- hang this let's tree go. stand? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm fired up now. Y'all got me fired up. Let's continue this mission. ADHD, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, once you get me fixed, I'm fixing yeah, yeah, yeah. you.
0: You're ready. Man, tell me about the early stages of whitetail hunting. Give me some good, early, young Jermaine Hodge whitetail wood stories. Man.
1: So, I will. I'll give you a good one. So, well, good and bad, right? So, um,. I killed a lot of, like, does and young bucks as I was going through high school. Same here. And um, then I, I went to Lassen College in California, and then I came back home. And after after college, I, I, I was working at uh, Home Depot, and I was in a garden section. And it was a it was an old guy that came through. Uh, God bless my soul. I don't even remember his, his name. But uh, I used to take care of him. And what I mean by that, it was some busted bags and stuff like that out there, grass seed and stuff. And he always talked about getting these grass seeds at a discount. Well, I was the outside garden manager, so I can mark these bags down for a decent price, you know, with the blessing of the store manager. And he gave me that blessing, so I, I just marked these bags down because we, we couldn't sell these bags. You know, they, they didn't have the original weight in those bags. So he would always come by looking for grass seed and this, that, and that. And I'm like man, do you own some land or something? And he was like, yeah, I own X amount of acres. And I got in good with him, and I said, well, listen, man, I'd love to hunt your property. You got some whitetail out there or anything? And he said, yeah, we got lots of deer. They come in the yard, this, that, and that. I'm like, "All right." I said, well, if you need some help around the house or something like that, I can help out just for permission to hunt your property. And his property butted up against Duke Forest. And Duke Forest has got some monsters. You can't hunt on Duke Forest. But You can hunt your own property. Anyways, he had X amount of acres, and uh, he finally said, yeah, you can come out here and hunt. So he came out. I went to his house and set up a tree stand out there. And I didn't know much about kind of patterning deer and stuff. He just said, this is where they come out. This is where they go in. So I just went in there, and I hung a tree stand in.
0: Sat in that same stand over and over and over.
1: Well, I only had to sit in that stand once. Oh, I figured it out once. So I hung that stand and I told him, I said, I'm gonna hang the stand and then I'm gonna come back. I said, I get off tomorrow evening and I'll just hunt this stand in the evening. He said, yeah, no problem, man. Just park your vehicle. I know what your vehicle looks like, this, that, and this. So we get over there and sure enough, man, I get in the stand and mosquitoes eat me alive. And North Carolina, they known for mosquitoes, especially the early season. So I'm sitting up there and I literally watched a deer, a doe walked right by from left to right. Didn't pay no attention to it, and I'm like, okay. And then, probably about an hour later, I watched this bobcat come up, kind of mingle around.
0: And is this your first sit, like this ever? This my first
1: sit in this stand ever. And they say some of your best hunting's on that first sit. That first sit. That first sit. And then, uh, I I listened, and I heard some rustling, some leaves rustling. I heard that then. This buck hit this tree. And I'm looking in that direction, and I could see this little, I say aspen. I'm in Colorado now. I'm going to call it aspen. Yeah, yeah. That that was probably a little oak. Waving. I said, oh, man, that's a buck scraping one of these trees. He was probably 70 yards from me, but it's so thick I couldn't see it. All I could see is that tree wobbling in in the air. So I hit him you know that's my yeah, best yeah. that's my best interpretation of buck growing.
0: wait were you bow hunting or gun hunting bow, bow, bow hunting. hunting okay yeah,
1: yeah and it stopped the tree stopped I could just see it stop and I could hear oh he's coming dude I started freaking out so I got this buck right in front of me 30-35 yards I said man that's the biggest buck I've ever seen Pull my bow back. I straight missed this buck. Ooh. He ain't but 30, 35 yards. Missed this buck. I said, oh, my God. You know, I'm a new hunter now. So, getting an arrow, I'm shaking, and I heard, whoop, whoop, and I looked below me. Huge, huge buck. Right going. below your stand. So, remember, I just missed this one. He's right out in front of me and I could I looked down and all I seen was antlers. I started freaking out. Well, long story short, I ended up missing both of these bucks. The best hunts on those white tail stands when you don't don't know it, don't know the area, sometimes are the, are the first sit you there, but in North Carolina there could be some nice bucks especially on some of those private land. Um, the farms and stuff like that, but they're tough, man.
0: So if we're talking about a nice buck, I mean, what's the mat? Like, what's an absolute score-wise? What's an absolute giant in, uh, in in the state of North Carolina score-wise?
1: Ooh, I would say a giant. Yeah, like, giant. Giant would be a one seventy, like okay, gi- that's
0: a giant. It's so like a one forty is a good solid North Carolina yes. buck. Yes, all right,
1: that's a good solid yeah. buck. Okay. That's a good solid buck. The one that was underneath the tree said, if I had to put something on them, 140, 150.
0: Yeah, a bit, yeah big old buck. Yeah. Mature big buck, big. probably.
1: But that's my whitetail days. I mean, shooting in Colorado's got some monsters, bro.
0: Monsters. And let me tell you a quick story. This is my only experience with whitetail here. So the same guy I was telling you about, my buddy who I ended up leasing that goose field from. So uh-huh. literally me and Kendall were putting uh, goose decoys out. One fall, and, uh, you know, he pulls up. The sun had just come up, not even up yet. He's like, hey, man, y'all y'all seen any deer? I was like, nah, we ain't seen no deer or geese. <laughs> and uh, he's like, all right, cool, just checking with you. You know, we shot the shit for a little bit. And then he goes to leave, and I see his taillights come on real quick. I see, I see the truck jerk, and uh, he gets out, walks up, looks through his binos, and I just see his gun come up. I couldn't even see the deer. All of a sudden, there he goes, jumping off. Right in the dome, smoked him yeah Jeez. but uh yeah, giant buck, like giant buck, I don't even want to put a score on it because I don't want to uh I don't want to underestimate this buck, but he's the biggest white tail I've ever seen dead below me, not that I've seen a bunch of big mature white tail bucks dead, but I've seen a lot of dead deer, and that was the biggest buck I've ever seen I mean
1: giant right out of the field it is Colorado it is a white tail sleeper, it's some giants, I've seen personally. One ninety's ooh one ninety white tails. That's I mean just, the one your daughter shot ain't far from that One, one sixty <laughs> and miss and missing a whole time missing a whole time at one sixty. God
0: dog. Yeah. Oh, so when did you fully? When did you know you were actually? Matter of fact, let's. I was gonna ask you when did you know you were in love with Elk Cutting, but when did you uh, first start? Tell me some really young Jermaine Hodge Elk stories.
1: Well, you know. I moved here in. I say I moved here. I got stationed here in Colorado. And for for some of the the viewers and listeners that that are that are listening, um, I joined the military in two thousand four, and then I got. You know, when I joined the military, I joined it to. I knew that the army had a wrestling program, so I was trying to shoot to find this program. I had no idea what I was really getting into, <clears throat> and when I got to. AIT, and after AIT, graduated AIT, which is initial training for your job, um, they they gave me orders to Korea, and literally, man, you're talking about a grown man crying, dude, I, I thought they had ruined everything, but it was a blessing in disguise, so they sent me to Korea, and then when I got to Korea, the first sergeant came out to the formation just to keep the troops, you know, out of trouble and stuff like that, they said this, gave a laundry list of things that you could do throughout the weekend and one of the things was is hey man there's a wrestling tournament in Camp Casey which is a couple hours away and I said shit that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go over there and take all my frustration out on everybody else I said I'm gonna mess these dudes up I said it's I got a couple buddies that are here with me I'm gonna drag them along with me and I'm gonna show them (laughs) anyways I go over there and I wrestle in this tournament I beat everybody up in this tournament and then then the athletic director came up to me and was like, man, dude, you, you you are something else, man. You know, come to the tournament next weekend. We'll be down in Seoul. You know, I went down to Seoul, you know, wrestled down there. And then he finally came up to me and said, like, man, who are you, dude? And then and then I gave him my bio and stuff like that. He said, like, listen, he said, I'm going to put your stuff together. You know, back in the day, it was all facts and stuff like that. So uh, he put my stuff together. He sent it up to through the All Army, which is a sister program of the World Class Athlete program. Anyways, he sent it up, boom. He said three weeks later I get orders to Fort Carson, Colorado. Fort Carson. Fort Carson, Colorado, and they said, Hey, you're gonna go down there, you're gonna try out for all army team. If you make the all army team, you gonna you know, then you're gonna have a shot at the world class athlete program. Well, I get to Colorado two the 2004, going into 2005. And about three weeks here, I didn't even want to wrestle any of the all-army guys. They weren't even ready for me. I wanted to wrestle the world-class athlete guys, the guys that are training on a daily basis. Those guys were the ones that I wanted to get my hands on. And then once I started wrestling these guys, I'm like, dude, man, I, th- I think I can make this. I'm just going to just put in the work, put in the effort to make sure that I can break through... And then, after I'm here for a while, now I'm going to start making this senior circuit and stuff like that. So, to to answer your question, 2005, I got stationed out here in Colorado because I made the world-class athlete program for the Army. And then, from that point on, where my elk hunting and my wrestling career kind of took off, when I got here in 2005, I missed a draw. I learned that I had a few people, a few buddies on the team that were hunters and they were good elk hunters and these guys were hunting elk i was new to elk hunting man i ain't know nothing i was greenhorn man being on like what's what's that show uh deadliest catch you're (laughs) greenhorn yeah yeah, yeah. i was a greenhorn so in order to prove myself first i need to go out and kill an elk and how was i gonna do that i was already in shape i knew i could tear these mountains alive i didn't know how to call elk but I knew elk and call, and I drove my wife insane. We <laughs> we went through battles after battles. I'm like, you, you gonna listen to this, and if not, you can get up out of the house hey, kind yeah. of thing. i was like, hey, this is me. <laughs> no, we. I, I, it was a mutual agreement, but I promise you, I drove her insane, and I practiced from the time that I learned that I drew an elk tag in 2006 the time season started, which ain't very long. I had about six months. Right. Six months total. And I'm practicing, practicing. Hoochie Mama, I started off in the primo section. Hoochie Mama Hyperlip
0: single I and had, all that stuff. I
1: had diaphragm. I had everything. And I didn't know how to make all the sounds, but I mastered, for some people that, you know, that it's hard for them to master diaphragm. It was easy for me to master the cow and calf sounds with a diaphragm right away when it, it's hard for others. But to bugle with that diaphragm was a different challenge. That's years down the road. And so I I, I had my cow sounds down packed and I, and then I had my uh, um Primos uh, uh terminator. It was uh the blue reed that pops over the top. Okay. And I just throw out a location bugle. <laughs> they sound off. I move in, use the wind in my 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 uh my favor, and then I cow called them in. And I killed my first bull in Colorado the first year in two thousand six. And then I had some buddies that were on the team. Remember I'm telling you these seasoned hunters, man. They've been doing it for a minute. And um uh, they you know, they were congratulating, but the back talk was, was all that was a fluke. He ain't never going to do it again. He won't do it again, and if he does it again, it's going to take him years. So that was a challenge to me. And I'm like, challenge accepted. I followed back the next year, and I did the same thing. Let me ask you
0: this. How quick after you killed that bull were you preparing for the next season? Right away. Right away.
1: Right away. Right away. Because the back talk started right away,
0: yeah,
1: and it wasn't it. It, it was just a, a, like a friendly challenge, but they they would say stuff around you, you around your back like, nah, that that was a fluke. game yeah, yeah, he ain't yeah, gonna yeah. do that again. He will never do that again. And then, no, nah, the challenge started right away. As soon as I heard stuff like that, nah, three sixty five. Yeah,
0: I'm practice. practicing.
1: I'm practicing. So when everybody yells, you know, they the season's done. The season wasn't done for me. It never stopped. I was thinking about the next season. And then the next season coming around, 2007, killed another one. Killed Can't, another. Say no <laughs> Can't say
0: flute no more. Can't say fluke no more.
1: And now, But now, the challenge was, after that, for me, not so much just to kill a bull. You know, those bulls that I did kill, they were, hey, they were decent bulls. They weren't big bulls. The challenge was, at that point, was, I'm trying to kill mature bulls. Mm. Now... In order to do that, I gotta up my calling game. My calling game was subpar. It was not good. So it was good enough. It but... was good enough to call in elk. And I say this, and I say this, in a, in a friendly manner, and I, I'm really respectful when I say this. Listen, basic elk sounds are gonna call in elk year after year. If you're good at your, your if you're good with your equipment. And you can make basic elk sounds. Calf, cow, bull sounds, right? Location bull, move in, cow sounds, calf sounds. You're going to call in a raghorn bull. You will year after year if you're in the right area. considering the right area. Right. You got to be within the elk, right? Right. If you're there within the elk and you can make those three different, the deadly three, if you can make those deadly three... You're gonna kill elk consistently now to kill the mature bulls, you need to up your game. you need more advanced calls. the deadly five the deadly five will be your cow, your calf, your location bugle, your chuckle grunts, and maybe and maybe we add in ah. Uh, a estrus buzz, or we add in some kind of uh, contact bugle for your elk. Now, is
0: a contact bugle? Is that the lip ball? Is that what a contact? No, bugle
1: is? it's a wavy note. There's a okay. growl in there, and he cuts it off. Okay. It's a wavy note, and yeah, I'm gonna do it real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do it real quick. Right. Contact bugle. So usually, you'll get. Let, let's say you do a location bugle. You you sound off. This is a location bugle. That bull sounds off. You move in that area. You start hitting him with cow sounds. He moves in. A lot of times... When he moves in from a distance, he's gonna hit you with this note right here. This is your contact beaver. He never sees you. You shut up. You're solo hunting. A lot of times I was solo hunting back in the day. You're solo hunting, so you located him. He sounded off. You moved in in that direction, and then you got into close his zone, like really close to him, and really close to to a bull bee, you know 150, 200 yards, right? And you start cow calling. He responds back. He starts moving in your location. (laughs) Now, a lot of variables are in there, but he starts moving in your location. Okay. Now, he gets to a certain point. He can't see anything, but it's dense woods. And he's still looking. He might hit you with this contact bugle. Sounds like this. He's asking you, where are you at? Ooh. Where are you at? I showed myself where are you at. He's listening for a cow response. Now, if you respond, which you sh- probably shouldn't at that point, if you respond, then he's already pegged you. He knows exactly so that's a cow
0: saying, hey, I'm over here.
1: Hey, he already pegged you. So he contact bugle. He's asking you where you are so he can find you. Because he traveled a certain amount of distance to get to you. And now he's looking through these dense woods. He can't see anything. He hits you with this wavy contact bugle. And then he starts moving in your direction. Now he hits you with this contact bugle. And he's like, where you at? The best thing to do is just be quiet. Be ready. Because he's going to keep coming in that same direction that he heard that last call. That you did before he even did the contact bugle.
0: Let me ask you this. So when is it applicable for you to start off a uh, an encounter with a contact bugle? Say it again. So like when, when would be a scenario when
1: you would let out a
0: contact bugle?
1: Okay. So if I'm letting out a contact bugle, I'm usually moving in the direction of that bull. I locate it. Location bugle. He sounds back, he locates, I start moving in this direction. Now remember, he he might be 700 yards away. I don't know exactly how far he is. I don't judge distance, but I, I'm I'm just guessing. He's up on that ridge somewhere. Or, And as I'm cutting this, I'm like, Jesus, I probably covered 500 yards. He ain't sounded off yet. Now, I hit him with a contact bugle. Now, this doesn't apply to this. I'm gonna give you this. If I cow call first, and he answers, I'm not moving in with a contact bugle. Now I'm giving you this scenario. I locate it with a location bugle. He sounds off. He's seven, eight hundred yards, wherever, however far he is. I move in as far as I could. I'm like, dang, I walked 500 yards. I haven't heard him yet. I hit him with this. Hey, man, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? And then he rips back. I'm over here. It's humanizing it. It's humanizing it. Excuse me as I mess with the mic a little bit. I'm, I'm humanizing it. And as I'm humanizing it, I'm really like me and you are talking right now. I'm just talking to him. That's all I'm doing. And once you could master that aspect of what are Elk really saying? I'm not a biologist. Right. I really don't know what he's saying. I I can tell you universal language. Let me give you an example. I leave for Belarus tomorrow. I know if I go over there and they start waving their hand at me, they saying, hey. If they shake my hand, they probably saying hello, right? It's universal language. And I don't speak Russian. I don't speak... Belarus, I don't speak any of these different languages I don't speak elk but I can fool them and what I can tell you is I watch body language when they doing it and how they doing it and what time of the year they're doing it and all of this you start putting this puzzle together and once you get this puzzle put together you don't forget it you put it in your memory bank oh I remember that I remember what happened I was in this situation before. Every year, every year, you go out to the woods and you go out hunting and you get food by elk. If you make that mistake twice, shame on you. Shame on you. It's the same way as if I was on the mat competing wrestling. You might hit me with this one move. You, you ain't hitting that with me again. You gonna have to change something up to hit me again, right? So it's the same way in the woods. We have a bunch of hunters out here, and they doing a the dog Flutie. You don't think these elk are food? They food once. You didn't get them twice. And every year, hunters come out and they educate these elk. And these elk get smarter and smarter and smarter. And what you have to do is educate yourself. You have to go out. You're going to go through different scenarios. And you're going to call an elk. And you're going to be like, you're going to go back to camp and like, I had this bull in at 10 yards. And it just, it blew up. Well, was the wind blowing in his favor? What happened? You know, what would you do? You play the scenario back in your head over and over. An ex-NFL player, you know, we watch videos. I watched this mistake. I watched this gameplay. I've done this. I've watched all these things. In the woods, if it ain't on film, it's okay. That mind is a big, big thing that you can put that memory bank in there. You're not going to remember every single little thing, little detail. But you can remember the gist of everything. What happened, when it happened, what did I do wrong? What was, you know, whole play out. Once you start putting these things in this memory bank, don't don't forget these things. Year after year, it leads, at least to my success. And I've been in a lot of failures, but the failures led to success mm I mean, hopefully that helps you out i mean i'm just, you know, i'm, spit, I'm spit, <laughs> that's gold i'm just I'm not spitting off the top of the head. I'm telling you the truth. this that's stuff gold. is built from years, and I say years, you got guys out there that's done this for years um, i i self taught my myself how to call, but it was watching videos watching the Primo's team, the truth about hunting, that's where it started, right? I love right? the truth, man. And it started man. on that. with mean, them guys on private land and in the New elk are, Mexico, In the, and the, and the elk, Chuma, Ch- Chama, New Mexico, and the elk are going nuts. And you're like, you, it gets you pumped up. It wants you to buy cars, right? And then you're like, hold on, this ain't real. And then, and then you watch, you know, Corey Jacobson, Jason Phelps, Dirk Durham. You watch all Joel Turner, all these great elk hunters. And I picked apart everything, all the failures, all the success, everything about them. Until this day that I'm alive right now, I watch even the lowest of lowest. Meaning, you self-filmed your stuff, I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching it. Believe it or not, I'm watching it. I've watched so many videos. I spent hours and hours of analyzing like it sounds foolish to a lot of people but I spent hours of failure to lead to success and with that failure I was learning and I was banking this in my head banking and banking all these different things And, and when I started tuning into like Joel Turner a good friend of mine he was talking about humanizing this And I was like, bro This is like genius I said, now I got I, I got something to run off of Now I can start humanizing everything But I was watching all these videos And still today, like I said I watch tons And tons of videos I watch from C-class videos Sometimes I like I skip through them YouTube like a motherfucker same here. And I'm watching them. And I'm not watching, not so much their their failures or their success. I'm watching that, too. What I'm watching is your elk encounters. What is What are your elk doing? What time of the year is it? What sounds were they making? And now I'm humanizing all this stuff.
0: Let me interject real quick here. So I'm just like you from the standpoint of I watch... Everything from the greats all the way down to 12 views, and you already know off their thumbnail that it's going to be a shitty quality mm-hmm. video, right? right? And that's just because I watch so many that I get sick of watching uh, South Cox watching the five foot bull over yeah. and over, uh, you know, so on and so forth because I've just seen so many. But for me, the way I consume it is when I'm watching the greats, it's like, okay, what did he do right, you know, to to kill this elk or whatever species it may be. Now, when I watch those, and I'm not saying that every bad video is going to be a bad elk hunter. That's not what I'm saying. But I'll watch them and I'm like, I know he's going to make some kind of mistake here. So let me see what he's about to do. And then it's like, oh, wow, he did that. Oh, no wonder they took off. No wonder he didn't get close. It's like, well, I'll never do that. <laughs>
1: right, right. And you, and you got to bank that. You have to bank that like, dang, I've seen this in a video before. Right. Not, not too much not like a scary movie like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i seen this in a video I'm not gonna run to that house because yeah, because Jason, Jason's gonna come out. <laughs> facts facts right but what, what I'm banking is is this played out in so many scenarios before I'm even in this scenario so I'm in this scenario now what am I gonna do different versus them mm. now the variables are you know the wind the weather stuff that you can't control The stuff you can control is basically laid out there for you. It's laid out there for you. I'm going to use the wind in my favor. I'm going to try to get on the same contour line as this elk. I'm going to call him in using all these features in my... Dude, if you lay all this stuff out, you're going to kill elk. You're going to kill him. You're going to kill elk. If you're not going to kill elk, you're going to get so close. Now you can go back to the camp and say... Just a smidge, boys. Just mm-hmm. a smidge. Right. And now you got a story, instead of something. well oh, I called him in. I don't know what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard too many of those. Stories. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's just like like for me, when I would come off to the sidelines. Uh, so the O line coach comes up to the the bench. So all five starters are sitting on the bench, and uh, he asks you what happened, whether it's good or bad. Like, what did you get? You know, and that's like. You know, and some guys are different. Some guys can tell you, "Oh, we had a four-two nickel with a, you know, a Sam Strong and this and blah blah blah." And some guys are like, I-, I don't know, I-, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I was kind of in between. Sometimes it, I would just I, not black out. That's not the right terminology, but I don't know. Like I can't recall it. But now you go to pull it up on the tablet. You know, you see guys looking on the tablet. All I got to see is one second of that, and I was like, oh yeah, th- this was that right? right. But uh, the same thing. It's like how much can you retain? Because I feel like if you go on a seven. 10, three days elk hunt, however many days it is, regardless if you kill, you should always come out to what's better, I feel like.
1: If you don't leave, and many hunters do this, if you don't leave that season smarter than you did going into that season, you didn't do nothing but sit at camp and have a few drinks. Ooh! Mm. Or you were sitting around warming your hands up by the fire. Mm. Now, if you went out and you really worked and put in the work to really fill your elk tag, you should retain some of that information. It's like a teacher trying to teach you. These elk are teaching you. You got to learn something from some situation. You're not going to learn everything from every hunt, but you need to start retaining some of this information. You know, you, you, you test up for throughout the whole year of high school, the years of high school to pass this SAT. And the teachers are teaching you things that are going to help you pass this SAT, not pass it, get a good grade, get a good, good score so you can get into that D1 school, right? So if you ain't retaining some of this information, it's going through one ear, and not the other, and then you're going to the next season doing the same mistakes over and over when the elk are actually the teachers and you just have to listen. mm Or just pay attention or do your research. And YouTube's a powerful tool, man. I I did a lot. A lot. Back in the day when I started, you know, cutting my teeth on it is DVDs. DVDs. I had the truth from... from there to the you know, to the point where I was like, all right, I'm,
0: I'm I still love watching Primos. I know I'm, you, you remembered uh what was it, Kazu, the skinny shed, you know, the Whitetail Hunting when they had that piece down. It was like the four corners in like Louisiana, Arkansas, yep. just a ridiculous mm-hmm. piece. And and I remember back, you know, it was Slade Reeves and, and uh Troy Ruiz and uh uh golly, I mean the list goes on and on but yeah I love flipping on the old Primo. It's something it brings me back to a different time man watching that Primo stuff.
1: Well the truth about the truth the truth speak the language, right? <laughs> yeah, speak speak the language, language yeah speak the language, speak the language, they didn't go wrong when they came out with that slogan they mm. didn't they didn't go wrong, um, what I will tell you is once I ventured off of the primos, I was like, man, these guys are on private land, mm-hmm. and that's not how public land bulls really are. Then I started really like diving in and dissecting it and kind of figuring out for myself like okay let me venture into some of the other dvds that i was buying it i'd buy extreme bully bulls bro dave chapman he uh elk camp dude he still runs a great outfit and he uh guides in these different states um i I think it's the four corners and he made he made he he arizona colorado yep steve chapel yeah uh Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico is his primary states. Uh, the uh, no hunt fees. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. yeah. That yeah, sure. No hunt fees. Great, great guy, and he he knows how to call elk, especially being year in, year year out. He's speaking a language, and uh, and he. Him and uh, I think, don't quote me on this view or <laughs> beat me in the head later on, but uh, I think Corey Jacobson had something to do with like Extreme Willy Bulls or Extreme Magazine at that time. That was back in the day. That was like when I was really young, El Conner. But I started getting those DVDs, and then I started getting uh, other DVDs, and I was just raping it. And then the DVDs kind of died out, and there was more YouTube everything was getting going on youtube and now still to this day man i fill my head with knowledge of not so much i want to see like quality hunts like good filming quality hunts but i want to see what those bulls are doing did you encounter anything you know And I don't want to see you camping by the fire, cooking grills. I want to see encounters. Yeah. And I want to see those encounters, and I want to see what those bulls were doing. What what you do, you don't have to be the greatest caller. I'm going to pay attention to the video. It can be the 12 views, or it can be the 2 million views. I'm watching all those hunts, and I'm just soaking in. And those guys probably know me from Adam and Eve. They don't know me from Adam and Eve. But I'm I'm watching all those hunts, not just f- to f- to fill my brain. It's almost like reading. Just read a little bit, and then you start soaking in a little bit of knowledge here and there, here and there. It's the same way. And, and practice is the same way. When picking up a call, man. Most people, you know, I say most people. Some people, very they have a hard time with diaphragms. I didn't have a hard time at first. So now I started filling myself with... How do I transition from this point to this point? How do I up my game now that I up my game? Now, that am I saying the right things at the right time?
0: Mm. <laughs> hey, that's gold. Let me let me ask you this. So, you know, obviously you were doing a lot of practicing because you were a competition guy, right? So at what point did you know you were a good enough caller to be like, man, I'm going to start, start doing competition?
1: Well, it was uh, <laughs> my buddy Pat. He's here floating around here somewhere, but my buddy Pat, it was um, right before the, you know, uh, before COVID stuff kind of popped off, 2019, uh, he begged me and begged me. But I I heard it from a lot of friends that, dude, I didn't know if you were the bull or he was the bull. At points, man, I thought the bull circled around and came behind me when I was behind him the whole time. And... These guys would tell me this, and I'm like, dude, you know, y- y'all tooting my horn, this, that, and this. I didn't think nothing of it. I'm just out here elk calling. And, um, and then 2019, they were like, bro, you, you, you're something else, man. You're different. We don't hear people like you all the time. And these are just friends pushing me. And then my buddy Pat was like, man, I just want you to compete in this one competition. Just check it out. Check it out. And uh, I went over, and I said, oh, hell with it, man. Let's go. And uh, <clears throat> I went and competed in the Colorado Springs area. <clears throat> it was a little local tournament. Little gun show slash hunt expo. And I showed up. And it was probably seven, maybe eight callers. And uh, they it was old school rules. And uh, my high note game Cars was over there. They were running the competition. And you draw a number out of the hat. And if you draw a number one. You got to draw again. If you draw again, the number one caller and whatever number you call, so you got to call twice. So they said, you draw number one, that's just to tune the judge's ears up. And I said, the judge's ears up? I ain't never heard. I mean, this is all new to me. I don't know. Elk calling competition. I said, man, okay, let's do this.
0: So you didn't know the format or anything? I didn't
1: know nothing. Nothing. So I reached in the hat. I, lo and behold, I draw number one. I said, oh, hell, I got to do this twice. (laughs) I got all these people, like 30 people back here watching me. I got, I got, I got to blow twice. So I draw number five. My next number was number five. Everybody else draws. Judges don't, judges don't know the numbers. They just know. Call number one, come up the stage. You get 30 second bull calls, 30 second cow calls, 45 second freestyle. I I do my best rendition of what I know. <clears throat> Cow sounds, bull sounds, and then I go into freestyle. And then I sit down. But as I was doing my freestyle, I'm looking out in the crowd. My wife, my wife Pat and all everybody's out in the crowd and I could see everybody's mouth kind of drop like, what the what the hell? Who is this dude? And then I sat down after I called, and I, I said, I kind of sat down like, oh, oh, shit, I think everybody's. And my wife was like, uh, you just blew their head away. Relax. And I sat there, and, and even my buddy Pat was like, bro, <laughs> these guys was like, what did I sign up for? So I sat down, and everybody started blowing, and I'm like, mm he needs a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he needs a lot of work, this, that, and this. And I wasn't nitpicking. I was just saying, they need some work here. They need Mm -hmm. some work here. And, and then call number five, I got to go back up there again. I get up there and I basically rinse and repeat what I did. So they come back out. The judges come back out of the competition and they come up front and, uh, they said, uh, Well, we're going to announce the callers from third to first in placement order. Third to first, third being, you know, the third caller, I mean, the third winner on up. And um, ah, number three wins, you know, gets his name called. Number two, I was like, oh, heck, I just lost all this. You know, I'm just thinking the worst, you know, I just lost it. it. Ain't no big deal to me. I'm gonna go back in the woods and keep continuing I'm to kill elk. Be I'm still gonna continue to kill elk, and uh, your first place winner, Rain Hodge. I'm like, holy smokes, that's me. know, I get up, man, and, and, then, and then I get up there, and we take pictures and stuff like that, and they give me my little prizes and whatnot. And then and, uh, Tom Diesman, and it was like, man, this your first competition? I was like, yeah. Yeah. They were like, uh, you ain't never done no other competition? No. I said, I I just call in Elton Q every year. <laughs> and and they were like, Holy smokes and I was like, Yeah, man, I you know and Pat was sitting there, he was like, Yeah, no, he, he he's not telling a lie, it's what he does. And uh they they pushed me too and they said, Listen, man, you have the quality to, to really like compete on the big stage. And they said, it's different, but you have the quality to compete on the big stage. So they they kept pushing me. He was pushing me. And I was like, ah. I said, what the hell, man? What do I got to lose? I said, what's the next biggest one? I started looking it up. It was a regional in Utah, Western Hunt. uh, I think it was Western Hunt Hunt Fest or what?
0: Is that a Stealthy Hunters thing he puts on? No, Ryan lampert oh, okay no no okay. this
1: this is huge, man, this thing has gotten big, okay, it's in Salt Lake City, and um, I went out there, I flew out there, and I had to leave quite early, so I got in the day before I competed, and then I had to leave, dude, it was like a quick turnaround because I had to go do some army stuff, and um anyways, I go in there. It's 35 callers in my bracket. And I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, these guys. So they go from one all the way down. You draw a number out of a hat and you compete, right? And I was like, ended up being caller like number 20 or something. And by the time the judges go through all these calls, that like, it just fades into one. It's tough when you have that format. When you have a head-to-head format, it's a lot different. But that was when they just bring them up on stage, call them one, call them two, call them three, and they just run through them. They recycle through them. And the judges judge it at the end. Well, I went out there and I did my best rendition of me being in the woods, man. I thought I sounded like gravy, man. I got out there and they started calling the winners. And then at the end, they post the results and I was like number 14th out of like 35 callers I was like you got to be kidding me. <laughs>
0: Hey losing
1: ain't in my vocabulary yeah, yeah bro I lost I left there and told my wife I got my ass whooped I said okay I said I have a month and a half before world championships and I knew I wasn't going to worlds I said Month and a half, I said, I'm gonna practice and practice and practice, and I'm gonna learn every single thing I need to learn. Well, lo and behold, they changed the format at World Championships. Now it's head to head, and I said, "Well, I told my buddy Pat, I said my expectations going into World Championships in the men's division, World Championships. I said, I'm just gonna take a couple of these guys out. We had a 32 man bracket. I I just wanna take a couple of these guys out." And I'll feel good about it, man. I went through one, went through the next, went through the next. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm in the semis. Ooh. I'm in the semis now. If you make it to the semis, you go to the next day, and then you you guarantee top four, right? And only top four place. So I said, well, I'm in the semis, and I went back to the camphor that night because we had dragged out the camphor. And we sat back, relaxed, and I was asking, I said, man, should I change up my routine? And then I started thinking about it. Don't change nothing that ain't doggone. Ugh. Just keep it going. And I went out there and did the same thing. And I say this, I tripped, I, I went through a lot of great callers, a lot of great callers. And, and some of those callers that I would take to the woods any day. And, um, I went through, and I tripped in, and I won it.
0: (laughs) And I won it. And
1: I say I tripped in and won it. There were seven judges there, and I won the final five to two. And the semis, I only beat them four to three. So you did the
0: same routine, came back five to two.
1: Same routine. I won four to three in the semis, and then won five to two in the finals. But what I will tell you, man, when you step out on stage, man, it is a lot. At World Championship, a lot of great callers. Yeah. These guys, I can't, I can't speak for all of them, but when you get into that, that top eight, man, these guys are successful in and out every year and on stage. And these guys are really, really good, really good. And on stage, the difference is, is you can have deviations in the woods, but on stage, your stuff needs to be crisp and clean and precise. No mistakes. No mistakes. If you have any crack over the read, those judges hear that. They do. They hear that. And every right too. you know, you you got a competition. Now, if we in the woods and my reed crack over, okay, it cracks over, you know? Right. Shoot, I had my buddy Pat say, what happened there? And I'm like, the reed broke over. He <laughs> <laughs> sounded like a bull that lost his voice.
0: <laughs> Laryngitis.
1: <laughs> Laryngitis. He's been bugling way too much.
0: <laughs> so uh, talk to me about who are some of the uh, the guy. and again, you know, no disrespect to who you don't name, but, like, who are some of those guys that you, you know, look up to from the standpoint of You know every single competition, like, these guys are going to be some of the guys that you're going to have to
1: deal with. Oh, man, you got a lot of great callers. So, for one, like, this year, I'm going to tell you right now, man, like, you got Corey Jacobson. So, on the bottom side of the bracket on the professional division was the toughest side of the bracket. And I was on the bottom side of the bracket. Um, You had – Six world champions on the bottom side of the bracket. <laughs> it was ten total in the professional division of world champions. And six of them were on the bottom side of the bracket. You had ten-time world champion Corey Jacobson at the bottom side of the bracket. You had Rocky Jacobson, his dad. I don't know how many times he's won it. Um, or or placed in in, in the finals... He was on the bottom side of the bracket. You had myself, men's division world champion. You had Tony, men's uh, men's division world champion. Um, the bottom side of the bracket was stacked. Um, names that you, names that consistently do it on a year and year basis. Your your top eight: Bodie, Brooks. Um, Corey Jacobson. Myself was up there for two years. Corey uh Rocky got put out this year, but he got put out early, but he's usually in the top six. Tony's new to the to men's uh the professional league. He's in he's gonna be in the mix. He's always gonna consistently be in the mix. Um before then you had Dirk Dirk Durham, you had Jason Phelps, I mean, these guys are phenomenal, man.
0: So, what uh, what what call do you think is the toughest to be consistent with, from the standpoint of uh, the hardest sound to to make
1: consistently? Um, well, you got you got you got a couple of them, and what I will say with uh, with those couple is, um, there's there's sounds that you hear in the woods, and there's certain sounds you never hear, but you hear them on videos your one your one sound that you should least be able to do on stage is the estrus buzz estrus scream estrus cry whatever you want to call it they have variations of name with it and that's all all that Cal is doing is she's saying i need to be checked i'm ready to be bred kind of thing and it has a buzz sound to it it sounds kind of like this Now, if you ask me how many times I've heard this in the woods, I'm going to tell you two times. Twice. Ever, ever out of my whole career. Now, I've seen it on videos. I've only heard it twice. And typically that cow needs to be checked. And you'll see it. When I seen it and heard it, a bull comes over. He checks the cow. If she's actually ready, he'll breed her. If he doesn't, he'll check her. And then he moves on. If she ain't ready to be bred, she'll move on a little bit. And then he'll move off. But that bull will come and check her. If they're in a big group. If she's solo and she's moving through. And she's calling like this. And she does a little sequence of that that extra scream, extra buzz, whatever you want to call it. You'll hear multiple bulls come in. the want to check her or breed her, right? Another one that is really really hard to do on stage is that that um lip ball and that lip ball if you don't have that that sputtering lips and all i'm doing is taking my lips and squeezing them together at the same time i'm making a cow sound so the cow sound i'm making that with the buzz sound without the without the tube Sounds crazy, but when you put it through the tube, it cleans it up for you. So, are you doing this? And it can mean a couple of different things, but don't get too far in details. You hear these big, mature bulls, and they comes from that diaphragm and they throw a lot of voice into it. That on stage is super hard to do without practice. And what I like to do is I like to warm up my lips. I just... And I just sputter my lips and I make a cow sound. So then when I go into that stage performance, my lips are pretty much warmed up and ready for this. Like you ain't doing this cold. If you out there and it's freaking 5 degrees and you you try to do something like that, you're going (laughs) to... You're going to sound horrible. Facts. You're going to sound horrible. But when you're on stage and you know you're getting ready to go up there and perform, I just like to sputter my lips a little bit, get them warmed up, get them, get them loose. And when I'm getting ready to go into like a freestyle or elk elk bugle sounds and you're throwing out that, that, that lip ball, then your lips are already warmed up and I just carry off that cow sound. And then a lot of people, you know, they'll start off with a lip ball and... <clears throat> It's just not, it's not realistic to me. Uh, realistic, like a lip ball, he has a, a, a straight bugle and he throws that, that, sound, that lip ball into it and then he carries it off, drops it off on the end. And, but those two sounds are the hardest on stage for people to mimic. And if you don't know those, I mean, you have to know all these sounds. Right. You have to know all these sounds. And if you don't know all these sounds, you'll get ate up out there.
0: So I got a great story about, uh we were just talking about lip balls. So opening day last year, we're hunting OTC. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and my buddy, TC, and then you made a son Wyatt today. Mm-hmm. So we were hunting, and uh, literally this is, I don't know, 8.30 on opening day. Actually, let me, let me walk back all the way to before the light came up. So Wyatt actually ripped the first bugle of 2021, rips it off of uh, this ridge. It was all foggy, couldn't see anything. We didn't get a response, but... We start to leave from our vantage point, and we just ew, 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 start to hear cows. Oh, day one, we're fired up. We're like, hopefully it's real elk, right? So we bombed down this avalanche chute. It was legit, probably 800 foot in a very short span of time. Like it was it was nasty, and we dropped down there. And, Knee busted. Yeah, it was bad. And uh, we dropped down in there. Sure enough, they were real cows, and all of a sudden bulls start just sounding off. Day one, growling, nasty. Like, it was pretty cool. And uh so we drop down in and we we chase after these bulls, got the win right, we get set up and it's this one bull or two bulls? There's two bulls. Okay. There's two bulls. So they're going nuts. And uh TC sets up behind me and Wyatt, and he's got the old Primos hyperlip single, external cow call. You know, he's old school, so he don't believe really in the bugle. So he's back there just <laughs> <"Ew." laughs> <laughs> trying okay. to try to break this yeah, trying to break this thing. in. And I'm in front of this big old tree. And uh, so I've actually only have a, a cow tag because I told you I drew a limited uh, bull tag for third when I killed that that respectable one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in there with just a cow tag, and these bulls are going crazy. They're answering him. He'll you know just I mean opening day but just that's all they would do is answer. that's all they were d- wasn't budging was not budging but you know, they were just sounding off.
1: I ain't mean to interrupt you. Go no go ahead. You know what I hit him with? What's that? Right here. Listen, this is the killer. This is the killer. You got, even if it's just one bull, this is the killer. You got your partner behind you, 70 yards. He needs to know this, though. You got your partner behind you, 70 yards. He moved in. There's cows around. You blowing the cow sounds. He's answering to the cow sounds. But you got to remember there's a lot of cows around. Why is he going to lead cows to check cows now? I hit him with this. Cut it off, cut it off. You know what I'm doing? I ain't talking to him, I'm talking to his ladies. Ugh. I'm trying to get you ladies over here. Now when you do that, you'll pull one of those two bulls away from those ladies because he feels disrespected that you just talked to his lady. Now it's like me, and you. Right. You at the bar with your lady, Joe. I'ma bust Joe. Turn on you. You at the <laughs> bar with your lady. <clears throat> you chilling. I might even say what's up. And then later on, I start talking to your lady. Now you get disrespected. Right. Like, Hold on, man. Homeboy just said hello to me, and then he just wanna start talking to my ladies. That's what I'm doing to him. I'm messing him up with this. I'm messing him up. I promise you, you're going to pull in more bulls when you have that encounter like you just told me. And you bust him with that lip ball. Short. It's a short. It's straight into a bugle. Lip ball. Cut it off really short. I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to his ladies. I'm not telling him I'm the baddest. I'm telling his ladies I'm better than him.
0: I am so glad that you answered that like you did because that's exactly what I did. I brought in both bulls in the 30 yards, unobstructed, <laughs> complete, Literally hit them with, and threw in some raking too. Yeah. Threw in some raking and a lip ball, and, and they shut up. As soon as I did it, they shut up. I'm like, I think this is a good sign.
1: They'll shut up and they'll start coming in.
0: And it's just like turkeys. So literally it's the same thing as turkeys. So as soon as they weren't responding to that and I was raking, 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 I was like, I think something good is about to happen. So I tucked up in front of that tree and I grabbed my rangefinder. And the last, literally, we did not hear anything until the last maybe 20 yards, and all of a sudden, psh,
1: psh. Yep, psh, psh, you'll hear six track. <laughs> yep, and you'll see antlers bending Man. through the woods.
0: And here come, here come the horns. Yeah, you see the antlers. I'm like, that's a four point. I, I was like, boom, click, pull my rangefinder out, click 30, click 30, click 31. I'm like, this is insane because I would just, I don't care four points. I would have shot that bull. I'm just telling you uh so i was like this is a a badass encounter so we had the wind blowing in our face elk come from here the wind was kind of going here so of course you know as they do he started to make that circle trying to catch that wind so anyway he comes in and 30 yards and uh all of a sudden comes a five point right behind him both of them came in Mm -hmm. (laughs) and eventually they made their way you know to our wind but and and why it was Within ten yards of being able to shoot, he had a bull tag. But you know, he's a, he's a stick bow hunter, so he he wasn't close enough. But I mean, I had a thirty yard shot day one last year. They were lit ball. I mean, it was just dis- like it was insane. I, I did not expect to be blowing a lit ball bugle day one last year. So now that kind of changed my percept or perspective because people are like, ah, eh, you know, that first week sucked, and you know, maybe maybe it does suck uh, as far as the average goes. But shit, I mean, shit, man. Last year opening day, it was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't go through the woods lip-balling, by <laughs> <Yeah>. no means. <laughs> yeah. By no means. Right. It, For every encounter is a different scenario. And what what you just explained to me, man, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I, He's answering to every cow send, but he's not coming in. Dude, now, I want to talk to his ladies. And when I talk to his ladies, I'm going to piss him off. Right. I mean, I, mean, I
0: mean they both came right I mean yep. came looking right at the tree where T C was at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like a turkey. Yep.
1: Yeah, it, it it works it works a lot. And uh another one that's a deadly mm. one for for me is I I didn't get the chance to speak uh in, in the Elk calling seminar 'cause uh, you know, we just got timed out today yep. at the Western Elk Fest. But uh, another one I speak highly of is calf sounds, man. Hmm calf sounds because you got to remember that kids want to play with kids so as soon as I start introducing a kid to the situation and and the calf sound might sound like this and then you hear another calf that might be in that herd you're going to pull that calf right to you. And what's going to happen? A parent doesn't leave their kids. Back. And they're going to come in. Mom's going to follow. And then who's going to follow behind them? Dad. Right? Bull's going to pull the rear. He's going to pull the rear. And when he pulls the rear, just be ready at that point. Just be ready. So, kid always wants to play with a kid. So when they go past that play park and they're like, "Dad, can I stop? Mom, can I stop?" bro, it's money. It's money.
0: The calf sounds the
1: calf sounds and the calf is going to get the bull killed 90 percent of the time. and that might be that might be an un- underestimated time. That might be telling you, man, calf sounds are deadly. And they're deadly in the woods. And the reason being is you have to humanize them. Kids want to play with kids. And kids are not going to be too far from mom and dad. And mom and dad are going to follow. Just, hey, listen, come here. I told you to get over here. Right. And next thing you know, they pull them right in.
0: So how often are you yeah, I throwing I think I just out- blew your mind, man. Yeah, the cat. I ain't even Poof. think about it. Yeah, like that's... <laughs> So, like, how often are you throwing those out? I mean, are you locating with it or is it mm-hmm. one of those things where you, you locate with the bugle and when you get in tight, you start I'm, throwing out the cap?
1: In, I'm in tight already. Okay. I'm in tight already. So, um, so I, I'm, I might throw out a location bugle and then I move into the area using the wind in my favor. And then when I do that, I move in. Now, now and let, me, let me back up here. I want, to, I want to correct myself here, and I say correct myself, just reiterate this. If I throw out a location view, he answers, I'm going to stay with the bull sounds. If I throw out a cow sound like I normally do at the very beginning of my calling sequence before I'm trying to get him to answer, so if I throw out calf and cow sounds and he answers, I'm not changing those sounds When I move into his direction using the wind in my favor, I'm not introducing another bull. I'm introducing those cow and calf sounds. Now, I got in tight to his location. I threw out calf and cow sounds. I'm listening. If he's by himself, he sounds off. I'm also listening for other elk too. If there's no, no other elk sounding off and he's by himself, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Now, if I move in tight, I, I calf and cow sound. He sounded off. I moved in tight using the wind in my favor, and I move in his location. Calf and cow sound to get him sound off again, see how far he's away, just checking it. He sounds off again, but also I hear another calf or cow. Now, the situation has changed. Mm. He's got cow and calves. Okay, what, how do I need to do this? It's two, two, two different situations. I've already explained one. I might lip-ball this dude, make him pissed. Or I might just bring in the other kid to the park. My, I got the park. I'm the kid at the park. And I just calf sound. Calf sounds. Hit him with calf sounds. Shut up and listen. I promise you, more than 90% of the time, you'll hear that calf go off. That calf starts sounding off and that calf starts coming in. And lo and behold, be ready. The calf come in and the calf might be well ahead of mom. Why? Because sometimes their parenting skills are a little off.
0: Or maybe the calf's just that fired up that fired she wants to up. get over there.
1: Fired up, right? <laughs> and you'll watch this calf come by, maybe <clears throat> not know. They'll pinpoint you too. Not know. But they, they're kids. they kids. They don't even care about when. <laughs> they do, they don't, right? <laughs> they will be all kinds around you. And watch out from where that calf came from. Because mom or dad's following. And you got to be ready for that situation. You do. Not so much for the calf. Calf might see you, you know, draw a little bit because you might have seen that bull come in. Calf a boogie. But they always know that these calves are through the roof. It's like kids, man. Control them. Like, you take them to the store. You better beside me, boy.
0: Like you said, humanizing it.
1: Humanizing it, man. Humanizing it. But so in that situation... I moved in, and when I did, I heard calf and cow sounds, and I hit him with a calf sound. Now, the other situation is he's got calf and cow sounds. He sounded off to my calf and cow sounds, and then I move in, tight as I can, and I lip ball at him. I'm not talking to him, I'm talking to his ladies.
0: So when you say close as you can, you mean as close as you can without, uh, you know, thinking you're about to get detected. Right. Got you. Right. Got you.
1: Sometimes I didn't even got to see them. I just know that they, they're, they're that close. Yeah. And then I, lit, I hit, hit him with a lip ball, and he's like, who the hell is this? Oh, hell no. Nah. I'm going to have to run him off real quick. He way too close. Um, but not to the point where I'm overpowering that bull. I kind of want to keep it on that same level. Because you can go in, you have a bull sound off, you like, and then you go out there, my pushing that bull ain't coming in. Yeah, <laughs> that bull gonna look at you from a distance, play the, you know, play around a little bit, and then he's gonna disappear. This happened to me many times. That's I make I make mistakes like that every year. Don't get don't get me wrong. I go I go through through the year, and I make mistakes that I've made. I've made previously, but I adjust really quick. I'm like, oh, can't do that no more. Right. Right? I mean, even last year I had, you know, I, I didn't even have a tag. And I said this to myself. Uh, after the fact, first day, opening day, I get out there. I make calf and cow sounds. I get a bull to locate bugle. First bugle of the year. If, you, if you, you you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, you'll you'll see it the first bugle of the year. And what do I want to do? <laughs> right away. I like I'm fired Ooh. up. But why did I do that? No need. He sounded off. He told me his location. Shut up. Start moving in his location. No need to introduce another bull to the situation. He was already fired off, off of calf and cow sounds. Why did I introduce another bull to the situation? Just moving his location and start playing the picture and painting it all together.
0: Let me ask you this. So when you start moving on him, at what point are you going to try to strike him up again?
1: I try to get in as tight as possible. Listen, uh, I, I was talking to a guy from Western Contours and we were talking about a you know, last-minute podcast and we was getting out there and was talking about it. I said, listen – I've been out in the woods a long time, and it's hard to judge exactly how far that bull is. I can tell you this. I think he's over this way. I'm going to move. You know, let's say he's 700 yards. I'm going to move 700 yards, what, what I think is 500, and then I'm going to recheck. If he ain't said nothing to the point of me moving in, I'm going to recheck. I might hit him with that contact bugle. Yeah. If, he, if he bugles and he, I bugle and he bugles, I hit him with a contact bugle. If I cow sound, he sounds off, I move to 500 yards, I cow sound. I check him, see where he is, pinpoint his location, get in as tight as I can. Don't say a damn thing after that. Get in as tight as I can, and then keeping the wind in my favor, maybe get on his same contour line, and then call him in with calf and cow sounds or bull sounds.
0: So let me ask you this. So you obviously – you know, you're a big caller. So when you're bringing in a bull that last 100 yards, theoretically, if you're playing the win game, he's going to be coming facing you, right? Coming in facing you, right?
1: Well, I hope so. Like okay. frontal.
0: So, like, at what point, like, when do you get, you know, that broadside shot that you want? You know what I mean? If they're coming directly in, you know.
1: G- great question. So if you solo hunting, you're going to have more bulls come in on that frontal aspect than you do broadside, right? It's no doubt. Because they're coming
0: right at your tree. They're
1: coming straight to where you called from. Now, if you have a caller with you, your caller, hopefully he's educated enough that he knows where this bull is coming in and he starts adjusting left and right. Left or right. Mm. And the reason why he's just in left or right to pull that bull past you broadside. Right? So let's say, you know, we're straight ahead. The bull coming straight into me. My caller's straight behind me. And he knows that the wind is in my favor. Is in my favor. He can go left or right. My caller goes left. He pulls the bull towards him. And he pulls him broadside past me. Or he goes, he goes right. And he pulls the bull broadside past me. But my caller knows what the wind's doing. And my caller knows how to adjust based off of those things that I can't control. Right? Now, frontal aspect. We know he's going to hang up. I have a caller behind me. Left or right. Doesn't matter where he goes. And this bull comes to a screeching halt. He might have seen something. Me, personally, there's a lot of people out there that speak differently than I do, but I'm comfortable at 30 to 35 frontal on a bull, and I'm going to take him down. Anything past that point, ah, you get to that gray line. It just depends on how good of a really shot you are. Right. Right. So, that 30 to 35... I confront on him and, and he's going to be done.
0: Probably depends on how keyed up that elk is too, right? Like right. if he's completely clueless, it's different than if right. he's, you know.
1: Right, and, and if he's really alert, yeah, that's tough, right? So, like, you know, I have a caller behind me. He's moving left or right, whatever, In the bull peg, something I did. I might have moved wrong. He sees it, but maybe I'm at full draw already. But at that point, he's already frontal. And if he's within that range that I'm comfortable with, then I'm cool with it. Now let's say he's pegged something I did, and he don't like it. I'm at full draw, and he goes, he's like, "Oh no, I, don't, I don't like this situation. Spooky. He's spooky bull, and he starts whirling. Just hit him with a woo.
0: Hit that yell, bark. I just yell at him. Oh, the roll. Okay. Just yelling
1: him. Woo. Joe Turner explains this shit best man it's the bark you know what they do they turn around and look they always turn around and look they might be whirling out and, and you're like,
0: literally doing that sound not through no too. literally no you, whoa.
1: Yes. yes damn and that dude will stop he will stop and look back and most of the time he's gonna give you a shot now it might be an extra 10 to 15 yards past where you ranged him and you gotta know that too. right he started whirling 10 to 15 yards, I can adjust for this on the fly. And that's range time. That's like, okay, I know. So he was at 30. He whirled. Now he's at 45. So I'm going to hold my 40 pin a little high. And I'm going to smack him double lungs and he ain't going to go too far. Duh. But these are things, these are years in the woods. Right. Man. Years in the woods. Right. Years in the woods. And a lot of hunters come out here and they go through, and we—I mean, like recapping. Yeah. They go through mistakes after mistakes after mistakes, and they still continue to make those mistakes every year.
0: Well, I mean, th- look at the statistics of how many people come out here each and every year and-, and leave with empty coolers. More more than that, leave with anything in their coolers. Right. I mean, it's right. it's not an easy game.
1: No, it ain't an easy game. And no one—I—I I might paint this picture to be easy. It's not easy. Nothing out west is easy. <laughs> you you got the lowlands, prairies, uh, the rattlesnakes try to bite the Damn, Tarantulas. Landfall, tarantulas yeah. crawling everywhere. You mm-hmm. get to the mountains, the altitude crushes your lungs. The elk jog up the mountains like they antelope, mm-hmm. you know? It's yeah. tough. It's tough. And you prepare for this and you prepare for this and then you get out here and get your bubble bust, busted. Mm-hmm. And you done spent for a non-resident for Colorado close to $700. Yep. Close to $700. Plus
0: the cost of getting out here. Or so. and, I mean, and the gas prices now, goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, facts. you.
1: Hey, and, and for all you non resident hunters, man, you know, I hopefully this right here teaches you a little bit so you can cut that learning curve down mm. because, man, amen to you for paying as much as you do to come out here. But. I want you to be successful as much as everybody else sitting around here and around the round, and round table on the gazebo. Yep. I want you to be successful because we know how hard it is. You know, we sitting around, we in Colorado, we don't spend as much as y'all do. We spend them quite a bit because we're getting quite a few tags, but we ain't spending those $700 on a tag, not including the gas price or the flight out nice. and, and, and to get the meat back and process and all this other stuff. So, And then you kill a good bull, you got to get them mounted. Oh, Jesus. Got right. you. Now, now, now we're talking about some money.
0: Facts. That's a fact.
1: Yeah.
0: So let me ask you this. So you were just talking about how much goes into, you know, you said 365, right? As soon as you killed that bull, your wheels are turning on next year, right? So it's the e-scouting, uh, you know, everything that goes into it. So when you're looking at that map in the off season, like, what are some of the things that draw you to a particular area?
1: Well, it all boils down to, like, you know, are you hunting over the counter? Are you hunting a new unit? And if you are, you know – all right, so now I'm looking at a lot of different things, so I know that like mature bulls and big bulls they gonna hang they're gonna hang up high and they're gonna look for uh they're gonna look for vegetation, real green grass and but they're not gonna be too far from water, right so I'm looking for nearby water, good hiding spots, but up high, and I found that. You know over How eight, high is
0: high? I guess so. it depends on which what what region you're in, right? Because yeah, yeah. some places 9,000 foot super high. Some so, places that ain't super high, right? Right,
1: right. Here in Colorado, high is 12 plus. Yep. That's tree line. And in some places in Colorado, you can be 9,000, and that's as high as they can get, yep. right? Um, but I will tell you, in some of those areas that are 9,000 feet, um, most of those elk aren't there. They migrate in there. Most of the elk are up high. In my opinion, most of the elk are up high into those high mountains, and then they, they push down lower later on in the season in, in chase of cows, and, and it depends on the season, right? So what I'm looking for when I'm e-scouting, I'm looking for, um, I'll look at I'll look at a map, and I'll pick a particular unit, This is the unit I'm hunting. What's the highest altitude in that unit? And I'm looking at surrounding mountains, surrounding mountains within that unit. And then I'm dissecting those meadows, those high mountain meadows. Where's the nearest water from there? Mountain water that, and then the thick vegetation, I mean, thick trees, excuse my mic, I'm killing it over here. No, you're good. Uh, And I'm looking for the, the, uh, that, thicker wood line, maybe that north facing slope where they can get out of that sun. But on those south and east facing slopes, they're feeding and, and they're, they're watering. On those north facing slopes, excuse me, the north facing slopes hold a lot of water too. North facing slopes, they're bedding and then they come back over the top of those areas and then they feed into those. So I look at a lot of like the high mountain meadows where they might be bedding where they might be transitioning and then I start pinning those points down. And then if you don't have time to really get out here and do that, I pin a bunch of those spots down on the map before I get out here. Mm. If I have boots on the ground, I can get out here and I'm already out here or I can spend a week out here to do that. I pin those areas down and I might, I'm looking for old rut sign, like sign that they've been in that area down a little lower from not tree line Down a little lower, like that 10 to 11,000, where they rubbing all these trees, scraping this velvet off. That's the sign that I'm looking for. And if I do have time and I'm here, I set up trail cameras down a little lower at 10 to 11. And don't worry about catching bulls on cameras. I'm looking for cows. If I can catch cows on cameras, then I know where the cows are staging. And I know the bulls are going to be there.
0: So real quick, where do you hang your cameras? Like, what are you looking for when you hang your cameras?
1: Like, me personally, I hang my cameras right around that 10 to 10.5 10 in those high mountain meadows and 10 to 10.5 10 in the areas that I'm looking, like I'm e-scouting. I look for those areas. Um, just, you know, real re- recap on the area that we hunted um, a few years back. Um it was brand new area to us four years back. It was brand new area to us, and when I went out and started hanging cameras, I was hanging cameras right around ten to ten five. I didn't hang anything higher than that, and I was hunt. I was hanging those cameras off of uh, high mountain meadows that I knew that the cows would come out, or at least come out in bed. I mean, come out uh, feed, and then I was looking for transition points out of thick thick cover, maybe they were at eleven and they were coming down. I was looking for those and I was also looking for water. Mm-hmm. And then all the camera pictures were shoot right around at ten to ten five and we were catching nothing but cows. But I knew it just Some po- a, yeah, it's just a matter of at time. A, at a matter of time that those bulls were gonna come down and find those cows. Hopefully that answers the question. But if you don't have the time, pinpoint a lot of spots out there and then then hit hit and mark those uh, X them off the map as you go
0: so first of all you you answered the question perfectly but now I will ask you a question about a question so Kendall my girlfriend has a first rifle tag this year so mm-hmm. obviously everything you just explained to me is uh more of an early season archery right about you know being super high and and it so on and depends. so forth it, it sure Right. So what would you what what kind of tweaks would you make for preparing for a first rifle tag?
1: So a first rifle tag depends on the location of that first rifle tag. Um, You know, my son has a first rifle tag and I'm going to base everything off exactly what I told you. But what I will tell you is this. If you have a lot of snow up high, it's going to push those up down lower a lot. It takes a lot of snow to push those. I'm not talking about six, seven, eight inches.
0: Chest deep, right?
1: Chest. Sometimes, some. Yeah, sometimes you know thigh deep. Or thigh chest d- deep on
0: the elk is what. I, what yeah, I was talking chest about. deep
1: on the elk is is yeah, it's a stream that'll push them down. Yeah. I'm talking about thigh deep on us starts pushing them down. Okay. Or.
0: Well thigh deep on you is like yeah. chest deep on me.
1: <laughs> but, I got you. but thigh deep on me pushed me down the
0: mountain.
1: <laughs> I'm in these snowshoes. <laughs> but it pushed them down and so then the game changes. So they'll be down in some lower elevation, you're nine to nine to five, nine to nine five. When that snow starts getting a little less deep, start searching that area first. I know in the particular area you're talking about, I had a buddy hunt up there uh, a few years back, and it wasn't a lot of snow. And I will tell you, if it's not a lot of snow— going to still be up there. They still be up high. Yeah. They still be up high. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, talk to me about like how do you start tweaking your calling as the year goes on?
1: Well, it elk call year-round. They do. They call year round. So you
0: got the same routine from September to if you got a fourth no, rifle tag?
1: No. No. Okay. So this is how my September goes. I I use a lot of bull sounds between that September depending on when you start between whenever your season starts, whatever state that is. I start from the very beginning of the season which could be early Aug. I mean late August uh, beginning of September but most of it is usually beginning of September or late August. And then I go into right around the 10th tenth of September, maybe the 12th of September. Um, I use a lot of bull sounds. I call in more elk, more bulls with bugling sounds. And then I still mix in the cow sounds, but just not as much. And then as we get to mid mid-September to late September, mid-September being, you know, the 10th of September through about the 17th of September, I mix in both, both. These bulls are fired up and ready to go. There's some cows out there. And then when we get towards the end of September, like the 17th to the end of September, the 30th, I think, 30 30 days in September, um, to the end of September, then I'm more on the cow side. Because those bulls are already, they already have cows. So I'm trying to pull in maybe some of those, you know, big satellite bulls mm. that are hanging on the side. And big, meaning, you know, a 340 satellite bull is big. True! But we've killed some 340 satellite bulls. And you, we don't even get to put eyes on the herd bull, which we don't know how big he is. And it might be a 340 satellite bull we pull in.
0: Let me ask you this real quick while it's fresh on my brain. How, how, do you, how are you telling that these are satellites and, and not a herd bull?
1: Herd bull is not going to just fire off and come straight in. Okay. If you got a herd of elk, he's not going to leave all his herd to come check you. To the one, you, yeah. To come check you one cow that you, you out there piping off. Now, that satellite bull, that satellite bull will. That satellite bull will. So that satellite bull, and they say satellite. Listen, it's a great, a great statement for what it is. That satellite bull is just swinging outside the herd, trying to catch scragglers. Listen, we just left the club. King, King Lang. he already got his. He leaving with about five of them. <laughs> Right? And they all flocked around him. And then you got these guys that swing on the outside trying to pick up one on the very Satellites. Satellites. That's what it is. They out there like, oh, let me see if I can catch one of these ones on the outside.
0: Humanizing it.
1: Humanizing it. Right? So a satellite bull is going to come in. If you got a herd and you're working that herd, a herd bull ain't just going to come in off a couple cow sounds that's when you determine that satellite bull is. And we, we've killed a couple 340 satellite bulls off of big herds. And you're like, holy smokes, <laughs> I wish we'd laid eyes on that herd bull. God, 340 satellite. Yeah. So
0: if you're going into the woods, I don't care if you're a beginner or intermediate expert, what is, if you can only learn one call, what is the most important call in your opinion?
1: If I had to really like narrow it down to like one call, I would I would lean towards your your calf sound the calf sound yep yeah. but I told you the magic three mhm once you know the magic three you're good that's your calf cow and location bugle your magic three is gonna kill them but if you had to narrow it down to one nah I go in there and calf sound all day long I got a buddy of mine he's a chef and uh he he could make some of all the sounds that you really want. He ain't the best caller. But his calf sounds, woo, are money. Money.
0: And he kills out.
1: And that dude can kill him. He can kill him. But his calf sounds, they quiet, subtle, and they sound just like calves. And he calls him in. He calls him in. And if he don't call in the big giant bull, he's calling in A bull off calf sounds.
0: Let me ask you this. So you got some guys that when they're hunting elk, they'll hear a bugle and be like, ah, that's not worth going after. They'll hear a bugle. Oh, that's a that's a mature bull. What, what's your thoughts on being able to determine, is this a, a trophy bull? Is this a raghorn?
1: Never sleep on any call. I learned that. That's where week. I'm at. From I, what I, I, my short
0: experience, that's where I'm at.
1: I never. Now, last year put a big experience in me, and – uh we had a bull we nicknamed this particular area serena's hill and she's my wife killed a 340 satellite bull out of this area so anyways uh she's killed the biggest bull in that particular drainage and we nicknamed that hill after her we nickname all of our particular areas so we we have pinpoints of where it is instead of just points on a map they know where it is right and um we went into the area, and we get in there, and it dives down off this. Uh, if you get it to the top of this hill, and it dives down, you got to go down this drainage, and then you can go way back, and you'll run into Serena's Hill. Well, we get to the top of this, and it's dark. <clears throat> we walk in there, and uh, long story short, this, I pipe off location bugle to see what answers. Three bulls answer. One to my left. He sounds small. Definitely sounds small. One to my right towards Serena's Hill. And then one way to my left. Past the smaller bull back and that bull said do, 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 do. I said Man. Did somebody walk in on a different angle and get over here? I told my wife, I said, Man, that bull sounded like a human. And I said, hmm. Everything's running through my head, and I thought I knew exactly what elk sounded like. And man, you'd be fooled out there. So, long story short, the other two bulls we kind of got rid of. This one bull, he kept piping off. It sounded like a human. And I said, Watch. I said, Babe, this is a human. When this bull sounds off, he's gonna, I'm going to chuckle. He's going to chuckle. Watch. Oof, oof, oof. I said, God dog, Almighty, somebody done snuck in on us. I said, all right, babe. I said, we're going to dive down this hill and start skirting in and going after this bull to the right. Because the bull to the right sound like a good bull. So when we we got down to the bottom of the hill, and we're moving. We get down to the bottom of the hill, you got to go through some deadfall. And then we got through this meadow, and we get to this island of trees that's in this meadow. And lo and behold, this bull, bull, because at this point, this is bull. He sounds off again, but he is on top of us. And I said, hey, babe, set up. This is not no human. Ain't no way he went from where he was this fast, that quick. Ain't no human doing that. That's when I knew it was, a, it was an elk. But I just didn't see him at first. So I threw a bugle down the hill. sound like I was down the hill. And we was in this island, and this bull. I start seeing his legs. I'm like, yep. Boom. I said he's going to come left or right. I'm signaling to my wife. Dude, he was a giant six. Ooh. A giant six by three. <laughs> six he by three? Six by three. His right side had three points and he was a massive six by three. And he sounded like Doug Flutie dude. He's he was, he was horrible. He was horrible. He sounded like the... A new elk hunter that just learned how to call, he sounded just like him. And when he came in, he was massive dude. I would, I I Lights out. And long story short, my, my wife had been out of the woods for about three, oh shoot, I think probably three years at that point, maybe four years not elk hunting. And she didn't range where he came in. And when he came in, he came in low on us. And when he came in, I said, oh, my God, he can't be more than damn 30 yards from her. And uh, lo and behold, he was 25 yards. He, she put her 40 pin on him, slung it right over his back. Ooh. Yo, yo. I said, I threw my hands up. I said, what? And she said, why are you throwing, my hand, throwing your hands up? I said, ah, I'll tell you later. <laughs>
0: God, he, God. He was big. Sounded like a, like you said, Doug Flutie.
1: Dude, man, I don't know what I would have nicknamed that bull, but he was crazy, man. God but so ne- dog. never, never underestimate the sound of Elk. So, like, I'm not, I will call him in, I will call a hunter in before I underestimate it.
0: God, dog, dude. <laughs> First of all, I'm glad I'm glad you answered that like that because I've been in a situation and it hasn't been quite to the extent of that, like a big giant six by three. But you know, I've heard a real squealy sounding bull, and I knew it was a real bull. But I feel like some people would would assume that that was a, a raghorn, right? And to me, I mean a 320, 310, 320 bull. That ain't a raghorn. And you walk upon it and it's like that's a respectable bull. Sounds like a, a spike or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you answered it like that because in my short experience, I, I, I've experienced the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, hey, man, it's been a long day. I can't thank you enough for hopping on the show, man. I got one last question for you. So you got one one state to get an elk tag in. What's your dream state to go kill a bull?
1: Well, you know, I live here in Colorado, so I am not going to say Colorado. Yeah. My dream state,
0: Wyoming. Wyoming. <laughs> Wyoming. Wyoming.
1: Now, there's some other states that I would love man, to hunt too. Man, I,
0: I ain't gonna lie, I can't believe you picked Wyoming. I respect. I, I gotta go Nevada.
1: Ooh, go Nevada. hold on now, you man, you yeah. really think? Hold on, dream state. Like I really well, wish yeah, anywhere, anywhere I could draw the tag. Yeah, anywhere. Now, now I know I'm gonna draw a Wyoming tag here in the future. Dream state. Arizona. 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 Come on. Arizona. <laughs> Arizona. 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 The Gila, God.
0: New Mexico. Oh, yeah. 34 and all that Jesus. stuff down there. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, I, I, I said Wyoming because there's a chance for me to get that tag, right? Arizona, I may not ever draw that tag.
0: But, <laughs> even if you, you're sitting here with 10, 15 points right now. And you got a lot of life ahead of you, you still may not draw like a, a limited tag there. That's I mean, it's right. bad. It's bad down there. I'm not even gonna get into that game. I'm gonna use Arizona, you know, over the counter coups in the winter, over the counter muley, it. stuff yep. like that. Uh uh Havelina. But a I'm not even gonna hop into that game. I don't have it's any tough. There.
1: It's tough. Some people get lucky and draw it on the first. Late play.
0: season archery tag or something like that. Yes. That's a, that's your that's your odds. Uh, your best your, odds. That's your there. best
1: odds. Yep. Um if 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 I was to get the tag it definitely would be Arizona. Yeah. A Z. It'd be Arizona. But for a state that I know I can draw the tag, Wyoming.
0: Listen, when y'all get ready to load up and go, let me know. I got a handful of points there. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll. Me too. Yeah.
1: Me too. <laughs> me too. We uh, all we all do. We all do.
0: Well, hey Jermaine, I appreciate it. And second of all, I appreciate your service, man. I appreciate that. Pat too, man. I really appreciate it. Uh and, and seriously to have you come on, retire to hunt, talk a little calling with a world champion. I mean, if you didn't get some, if you ain't a better elk caller now than you was an hour and a half ago, you, you're doing it wrong, man. Hey, hey. But uh, again, thank you, man. Uh, y'all have a safe trip out. Thanks for coming out. Thanks, guys, for listening. So tired to hunt, baby.